Welcome to the Superpowers for Good Show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Joanne Chihuahua, a certified nurse midwife and women's nurse practitioner who founded the nonprofit African Mothers Health Initiative, joins us today. Her organization works to improve maternal and child health care in Malawi with impressive results. She'll also teach us how to master her superpower, being inspired by those you work with and serve. Hello, everyone. I am so excited. I've got with us today Joanne Chihuahua, who is a, a return guest. She is a phenomenal nonprofit leader, and I'm excited to talk with her. Joanne, thank you very much for coming back. Uh, you run the African American, excuse me, the African Mothers Health Initiative. That's correct. Yes. And a, an amazing me. organization. Now, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to. Uh, tell us about that. But just, I, I want to just insert one thought for the context of this discussion. When you and I spoke last, and it's been a couple of years, you told me about your superpower being really something quite unique. You said that it was that you are inspired by the people that you work with and serve. And that is truly unique. That is interesting. We'll talk more about that. But before we get into that, tell us about the African Mothers Health Initiative. So African Mothers Health Initiative is a small U.S.-based nonprofit that supports the provision of home-based nursing care to critically ill postpartum moms, so women who have had catastrophic birth experiences, and also vulnerable newborns from zero to two years in Malawi. Wow. It's uh, amazing work. Now, you've been at this for a while. Uh, tell us about your wins. Tell us a little bit about your success rate. Are, are you seeing a difference in statistics in the communities where you're working? Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, the issue that we are addressing is really that, um, you know, we think a lot about maternal mortality and we consider moms who have survived their births as a win. We don't really consider women who have had very difficult births and then continue on to have um, ongoing issues because of their labor and delivery and pregnancy experiences. That can affect them in terms of their ability to take care of themselves day to day, as well as their ability to take care of their families. So women who are living in rural areas where they have to go and draw their water and collect their firewood and plant their fields, and if they are sick, and unable to do those things. It's not only them who suffer in the short term, but their families, their children have increased mortality in the long run. So nurses go out and visit these women and assist them for up to six visits and also provide them with a small income generating stipend um, that they can use to support um, some sort of program after discharge. And then for the babies, you know, when we think of the mothers who die, many women who die the period of childbirth would actually die soon after delivery. And so there's a baby there who no longer has access to breast milk. And in a place where you don't have um, easy access to formula, there's no government support for that, many of those babies die. So I've seen in the region some small studies where it shows that multiples, um, that's another um, babies who have increased risk of mortality. So there's a lot of twins and triplets in Malawi, and moms often don't have enough breast milk to support them. So their mortality rate may be anywhere from 20% to 35% um, 
the baseline mortality rate for children under five and mortality is 5%. So huge increase over the baseline. And for orphans, it's around 60%, 60 to 80% mortality rate. So in our program, yes, it's incredible. It's incredible. In our program, we have a 95% survival rate among the babies that we care for. So only 5% mortality. So we brought that down from 60 or 80% with um, orphans and, you know, 20 to 35% in multiples and brought that down to 5%. And in terms of the moms, so a lot of women, you know, they'll have increased mortality over that first year after their delivery. And we've seen a lot of incredible outcomes with the women that we serve as well. Many of them um, will be marginalized because of their health conditions. And um, if they lose their uterus, they lose their baby, you know, that's um, very important in terms of your status, your um, your role as a woman being a mother. So if you're no longer able to have children, a lot of times um, a woman would be left without a husband. But um, with our income generating program and also the nurses going into the communities and really providing counseling, not just to the woman, but to her family and the community as well. And we've seen the reintegration of these women and the whole community coming to support these women in a way that didn't happen without the involvement of our program. So uh, it feels incredible to be a part of this work. It seems to me, and help me understand if I've got this wrong, but it seems to me that that if we think about nonprofit initiatives on a spectrum of sort of uh, light touch, uh, global reach to uh, small reach, but high impact, you're closer to that latter uh, end of the spectrum dealing with a very uh, strong intervention, making a big difference in in lives for women in some parts of Malawi. Am I am I thinking about that right? Absolutely, missing absolutely. That? And what I'd like to add to that, you know, Malawi, um, the healthcare sector is stretched incredibly thin. There's around 600 physicians for the whole country of 18 million people. We compared that to a similar similar population in the U.S., we'd have about 47,000 physicians for 18 million people. So in Malawi, 600 physicians. So if you think about, you know, really transforming healthcare, I mean, how can you stretch that even further and create population-wide interventions? So my approach is really, let's look at the people who have the highest mortality and let's really try and focus our effort on them. And then overall, we can impact these statistics. So we're looking at the very most vulnerable and giving them high touch, you know, um, overtime, quality care that's very individualized and seeing an incredible, um, incredible transformation, incredible change with that. Uh, that's, that's, that's amazing. Now you, you've, t- you told me about your really special superpower, uh, being inspired by those you serve and, uh, it's really pretty profound. Um, I mean, I've heard lawyers, and I don't mean to pick on them, say things like, uh, you know, legal work would be great if not for clients. I've heard doctors say similar things. You know, this would be great if it weren't for patients and customer service reps, you know, almost as a doctrine 
seem to think this would be great if it weren't for customers. Uh, how do you get inspired by the work you do how, or the people that you serve? How, do you, how does that work? Well, at first, let me just say, you know, when you initially asked me that question, I was a little taken aback because I don't see myself as having a superpower at all. And I guess I interpreted that to mean, you know, what drives me, what motivates me, what keeps me going and doing this work and gives me the energy to do it. And 100% that comes from the people that we serve. Their in stories are incredible. I mean, just phenomenal. So just as an example, um, two weeks ago, we had a focus group of women and guardians who had graduated from our program. And we had this one woman tell her story. And she found she her friend died and she went to her friend's funeral and she didn't realize that her friend had had a baby and she saw the baby who was just a couple days old and she saw people um, diluting a soda and she said who is that drink for and they said this is for the baby she said no you can't give that soda to the baby and they said, you know, well, why don't you take the baby and try and find an NGO where you can drop off the baby since you live near town? So she took the baby and went around to different NGOs. And it was a premature baby um, born at least a month early. And all the NGOs said, you know, we can't take care of a premature baby. And so she took the baby back to the family and left it there. Well, before the night had even fallen, uh, an older sister to this baby brought her the baby back and said, everyone has decided that we cannot take care of this baby and we just need you to keep the baby and keep looking for an NGO. So she took this baby home and discussed with her husband and she already had five children of her own. And her husband said, I don't want this nonsense in my house. If you're gonna take care of this baby, you need to find a different place to live. And she said, I don't want my, this baby to suffer because of my marriage, so I, I chose the baby. So she took this baby knowing that her, her relationship would be over, that she didn't know how she was going to feed this baby to ensure its survival and just went, you know, looking and trying to find someone who would who would give her milk. And finally, she was um, pointed to our nonprofit, our organization, after going to a healthcare center. And then um, our nurses went and followed her and that baby for two years. And that baby is now healthy toddler doing really well. So, you know, if she can do that, if she can say, you know what, this baby is needs to survive and I'm willing to sacrifice my entire life for the survival of this child, you know, I'm happy to share her story, <laughs> do a little work trying to raise some money. So, you know, and I feel like I, I don't have any other option. If she can do that, like I can do my small part. So that's, that's an example of where that comes from. That's really an amazing story. And I, I see how that can inspire you. Uh, part of that though, seems to me that, that, one of the keys to having this serve as a superpower is to be in touch with the people you serve enough. You've got to be close enough to get that story, right? How does that work that you know that that happened? So we have a team in Malawi, Malawian nurses, who have been doing this work. Um, AMHI, African Mothers Health Initiative, is operates 
um, with a sister organization that I also started in Malawi. And that organization is run and on a day-to-day -day basis by Malawian nurses. And so my interaction is primarily with them. I do not speak Chichewa, um, but they also in their own right are incredible women who, um, you know, give of themselves in ways I never expected and have been so faithful to this work. So when I travel to Malawi, you know, I go out with them, I see the clients, I see the relationship also, which is just wonderful. When they drive up to a village, you know, crowd gathers, there's lots of noise and shouting and happy exchanges. And then they sit down and do the health assessment of the baby or the mom. They do some health education. If they find issues, they go and say, well, where's the chief? And bring the chief over and um, tell him, you know, you need to have more people helping this woman because of X, Y, and Z. Um, so I have I have them who give me the stories. They translate and, and write down the stories every month about what's going on. And then we have these focus groups or discharge um, studies that we do every now and then with groups of women. And we have someone who's not a part of our organization who we hire, who's Malawian, who will interview and then translate and transcribe their stories. Wow. Now, I want you to think a little bit, if you would, about other people in other situations. And it could be anything. And so I, 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 I want to be cautious about giving you even a hypothetical, but imagine that there are people uh, like you working on other projects that they care about as much as you care about this one, but they're human. Uh, sometimes the work is exhausting. Sometimes the people they serve are exhausting. How, how do you coach them to find that connection and inspiration from the people they serve that you're finding from these women? Is there a way? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think the pace of our life, especially here in the States, is so fast. And we all have our personal agendas. And we all have our assumptions when we go into an interaction in whatever setting it may be. And I think we have to be really cautious about that and aware of that and really stop and see the person for who they are and hear their story. And everyone has a story. I have, you know, I work in a clinic here where we are serving primarily immigrants. I'm a nurse midwife, so I'm um, working with women from mostly Spanish-speaking countries, but also low income in the States and other communities. And here it's the same thing, even though it's a completely different setting. You know, when I have a connection with my patients, most of the time I'm in the room, it's not actually the midwifery care or the medical care. I mean, that's maybe 10% of the visit. But the other part is just creating that connection with that individual and, and hearing their story, hearing what they're going through. And once you have that connection, I feel like it's, it's not hard to find the motivation to, you know, to help or support, do whatever is necessary. Yeah. So I'm thinking about those conversations uh, to where that personal connection is built. And I, I'm wondering how, you know, sometimes that's got to be a little bit awkward. Do you have some coaching for the kinds of questions or the way to phrase a question so that it's safe? So you make a connection with someone without offending them, uh, you know, it's so easy, especially 
I, I hate to personalize it or, or make it awkward in this way, but you know, white men like me in a situation where we're, we're dealing with someone in a different situation, uh, single mothers or with, uh, people from, uh, other challenging situations. And, and we, we come from such a place of privilege. One of the things that handicaps me in a way is my fear of doing it wrong, of being offensive to people. How, how would you coach people like me to avoid those kinds of mistakes in, in a genuine desire to be, to make that connection? Well, I, I so appreciate that, um, that you're saying that and asking the question. I think, first of all, we all make mistakes. We all put our foot in it from time to time and we have to be a little bit fearless, you know, to accept that. And I think, when someone sees that you really want to see them, when you really want to know them, they will also be generous um, in guiding you and educating and communicating. I, as basic guidelines, I would say open-ended questions and listening more than talking and clarifying statements, you know, all of those things I think we probably have heard many times, but sometimes they're a little bit more difficult to put into practice. Um, But it's a good place to start. Well, that's, that's great advice. It's very, a very practical way, but I, but I appreciate your, your premise that uh, if an effort from someone as clumsy as I uh, am is, is uh, genuinely motivated that most people <laughs> will give me, and I'm thinking of all the others who may be in the same kind of situation, th- th- that we can get maybe the benefit of the doubt if our intention is good and our attempt is genuine, even if it's clumsy, we're, we're safeish. I hope, I hope that's what you're telling me. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, some people do carry a lot of trauma with them. And, you know, we have to understand that when we walk into a room that they may have a lot of barriers, a lot of walls, and also be okay with that. You know, maybe the response isn't a warm response initially. But I think that, you know, continuing to put that forward, that I really want to see you, I want to know you, I want to hear what's going on with you, and allowing that space to remain open, even if you initially kind of get the hand, um, I think that's important. And not, you know, not to take it personally, that so much, so many people have trauma, and it's astounding, I think, and that's something I've learned also in my work now, where you have no idea, you have no idea what's going to trigger someone, you know, even a simple question can lead to an experience that someone had in childhood, and um, and you are not the cause of that, but I think how you respond and react to it can either make it a safe place or kind of reinforce that trauma. So just recognizing that, okay, I'm not the one who's causing this, but I can just hold the space, even if it's uncomfortable at times. Yeah, it's so tricky. But one of the things that you've obviously become good at, you mentioned that you don't speak the language there in Malawi. Um, How do you make that personal connection that clearly you've learned to make? with an individual who doesn't speak the language. You're using a translator, I presume. Any advice for how 
others might try to make that connection? Well, you know, honestly, when I started this nonprofit, I was living and working in Malawi. So originally I, I was there for three years. I was working in the maternity hospital in the capital city where there were, you know, a thousand deliveries a month. And I started this work on my own, just driving around. You know, I told the nurses when I found out this was happening, that um, babies were dying after the deaths of their mothers. I told the nurses, if you ever have a baby who has survived the mother's death, just let me know. And I will get in touch with the family and I will drive and I will bring the formula. And so I was, I was doing that on my own. But I have to say that once I handed it over, I formalized the nonprofit and handed over the real work to the Malawians. I mean, that's when it really took off. And I think you know, we have to find what our role is. And my role is no longer that direct care in Malawi. I'm not working one-on-one -on -one with these women, but I am sharing their stories because I think they are incredible stories and inspiring and, you know, people remember them. So um, that is what I feel my role is at the present. But the Malawian nurses, they are, they go in and because they speak the language and understand the culture, they pick up on things that I would never pick up on. So for one, one example, you know, they were visiting this woman who had um, a severe infection after delivery and actually her uterus ended up rupturing and um, she had a hysterectomy and the people in the village had just kind of shunned her and the, the nurses investigated a little bit and found out that people believed that she was unfaithful and that this is why this had happened to her. They didn't understand that she had had a long labor that was not going on normally and she needed a C-section. So once they were able to explain that, you know, she was reintegrated into the community. And that's something I never would have picked up on. And I would have never been able to help in that process. So I feel, you know, I, I have... I had some personal investment in this in the beginning because it really was the relationships that I had and it felt so good to go into a village and people to get excited to see me. But I recognize, you know, the better care is really supporting the empowerment of these Malawian nurses to do this. And when I see what they are doing and the outcomes they're having, you know, it just reinforces that that was absolutely right. I feel really good about that. So part of what you're saying is the people who inspire you are not just those you serve, but also those you serve with the, the, the Malawian women who are doing some of the, the work that you started out doing and now they're doing with you as part of your team. Um, that's really kind of a, a powerful lesson that you learned that what we need to take from this discussion, I think too, is, is uh, learning when and how to, to support the local people in their efforts and step back a little bit and find ways to deliver the value that we uniquely can and not get in their way, you know, to build empowerment. And why don't you speak to that just a little more? Uh, Cause I think that's really a profound lesson that you learned and firsthand watching it right on the ground, making this transition. That's, that's powerful stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I, there's obvious things that I have access to. I have a great internet connection. I, I can do things like this, have a wonderful opportunity to be a guest on a podcast so I can share these stories and 
this issue is something that people are really struggling with and suffering silently with. It's causing a lot of uh, mortality and morbidity. And I'm sure many places in the world, not just sub-Saharan Africa, I would imagine, and, and many places in the developing world. So, you know, if I can, you know, elevate the stories of these women and use my platform for that, then I, that is, that's the role that I should play. You know, I, I really enjoy providing the direct care and I will always do that in some form or another in my life. But in terms of these issues, you know, it, it really is so important that the women are being served by others who know and understand them and the communities are being um, served by people who can who can come in and who can talk and who can really make change. And I am not the person. We're not, you know, this is not the way we should do development work, I feel. I feel very strongly about that. Like come in and, and tell people what they need and then try and make that happen. But really, you know, if we identify an issue, then okay, we can start something, but then support the growth, the spontaneous growth from there, from the bottom up. Now that's, uh, I think that's really good advice and, and, and probably a good place for us to segue toward the end of our discussion. But uh, Joanne, as you think about this principle of taking inspiration from those you serve and serve with, uh, what final advice would you give to people trying to develop that skill, that superpower, if you will? Hmm. Let's see. Well, uh, as I mentioned, you know, I think it, it just slowing down noticing the individual in front of you and making time and space for them, even when it feels stressful and that, you know, this is taking too long, that usually there are, there are some big fruits and good things. I think keeping a, a sense of humor is also very important about it all. And, you know, honestly, I think in terms of self-care, also considering that because depending on what work you're doing, um, it's easy to feel sapped and drained by it. So I think there's always that kind of push and pull relationship between how much to give and invest. And um, sometimes I think when we're getting sapped, when we're getting overwhelmed, it's because we don't believe other people can do something as well as we can. So again, stepping back and giving, sharing your platform with someone else. And that also helps alleviating some of your, your own workload. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Well, uh, Joanne, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us and for the, your incredible sage advice. Uh, it's so helpful on so many fronts, but your message about how to connect with the people you serve and serve with and and how to uh, step back at the same time to empower uh, local communities to solve their problems and to be uh, kind of the, well, I'm thinking of an old cliche that'll date me, but right, the wind beneath their wings, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, all the women of a certain age will get that reference. <laughs> And wonder why I know. <laughs> but 
in any case, uh, great messages, Joanne. Thank you so, so much. Really appreciate yeah. it. Before you go, uh, do you want to tell people how they could get in touch with you and learn more about the work you're doing? Absolutely. Thank you so much again for this opportunity. Um, so my nonprofit is, we have, our website is AfricanMothers.org. And I just would like to add one final thought. You know, one other thing that um, seems like common sense, but I think when you look at a community or you look at individuals who are struggling in some way or faced with incredible um, obstacles or challenges in their life, this deep poverty, the tendency it is to think, well, these people are, are used to this situation or they've developed this kind of skill or, you know, maybe maybe because there's so much death, maybe they're not quite as hurt by it, that it's a little bit easier than it would be for me. And I think to really trust in that shared humanity is so profound to know that a woman in Malawi loves her baby as deeply as a woman in the U.S., you know, and to also know that her motivation is going to be as strong as someone else to save that child. So really, you know, I think it's it's not so much as empowering them as really just stepping out of the way and letting them shine, you know, just like, here's the floor. Okay, what can I do to support you so that that you can do what you want to do and you can do, but you just don't have the tools or the resources to get it done. So anyway, that was just one final thought. But again, I really thought. appreciated this conversation. Great thought. Well, thank you. And thank you for punctuating the conversation with that great final insight. So Joanne, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. And thank you for all the good that you're doing in Malawi and, and here at home in the United States. And uh, I'm thinking Dallas. Is that what you told me in Texas? Austin. 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 Sorry. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, Please. That's right. Everyone in everyone in Austin is going to give me crap now. Uh, I apologize. <laughs> Please forgive me. Uh, I've been to both cities and love them both equally. It's totally good. <laughs> Being very diplomatic. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying my best. <laughs> Not trying to pick a fight with anybody. <laughs> Joanne, thank you very, very much. Uh, and we wish you every success in the great work you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers number four, good.com. Don't forget, get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer.